Welcome to I Used to Be a Therapist podcast. I hope you're well and enjoying your day. I'm not sure what you're doing while you're listening today. Maybe you're on a walk or doing the dishes or working out or driving somewhere, but I'm just so honored that you are spending your day with me today. This interview is part of the Transformation Project series, and it's an amazing story of transformation. Today, I'm sharing with you an interview I did with Lisa Latimer. Lisa is a self-awareness coach. She is passionate about working with women who refuse to settle for life the way it is. She helps her clients overcome distractions, define what fulfillment looks like, and helps them fearlessly create a new life. Lisa is the author of the book, and I'm abbreviating here, Who the F Are You? It's a powerful book that is practical and a great read for everyone. Lisa has a story of transformation that you will not want to miss. So bear with us. I interviewed Lisa early on in the COVID quarantine, and like many people experienced during that time, the connections were challenging at times. So please bear with us during the first part of the interview with the technology. It gets better as the interview goes on, I promise. Lisa shares so much wisdom and insight, you won't want to miss any of this conversation. Let's listen in. I'm Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing life, stories, interviews, and information that I know will be of value to you and to your life and to the lives that you touch. If you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I hope that this is a place where you feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm really glad you're here, and I know everybody's going to love hearing your story. I appreciate it. So... Tell us a little bit about you, first of all, and just tell us about what you do, who you live with, all that stuff. Okay, so uh, my name is Lisa Latimer. I have a five and six-year-old son and daughter. I'm married to my husband now. Um, We've been together for just a little bit over 10 years. We moved into our first home uh, just a little over a year ago, and it was kind of crazy town since then because... We moved into our home, he retired, and then just a month after that, he had a stroke. And thank God he's doing amazing in his recovery. And then, you know, and then COVID. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So it's been a very eventful last year for uh, myself and our family, but we are, we're coming through like champs. Um, I, I started writing a book about I want to say three years ago when we were still living in Queens, New York. And it's just so weird how life changes because I started writing that book and got the idea for it. I remember so vividly, I was sitting in our cramped little uh, Sunnyside Queens cafe, elbow to elbow with complete strangers. Um, And I'm sure that cafe is unfortunately either closed now or is only going to seat maybe five people at a time. (laughs) But you know, fast forward to now, you know, in the home, I have the book out. So I, I am a self-awareness facilitator. So through my writing, through the content that I create, whether it's on YouTube, my website, um, my Facebook groups, and also in one-on-one kind of coaching that I do with clients, I bring people basically to their own attention. I help a lot of people to really clearly define what fulfillment looks and feels like so that they can fearlessly create it both in their lives and in their business, because I'm sure, you know, you know, the two, you know, interconnect. So you really have to have clarity in terms of what will fulfill you in life and what type of lifestyle you want to live, and then be able to build a business that supports that lifestyle and and meshes well with it. I love that. So I, I love the word fearlessly. <laughs> yes, because fear is something that only serves to hold us back. And so many of us are dealing with fears that we don't even necessarily know that we have, uh, you know, which is why instead of just like, you know, general life coaching, I focus so much on self-awareness. 
because you really have to roll your sleeves up and do some deep digging to get to the roots of things like um, certain false truths and self-limiting beliefs mm-hmm. that you don't even realize that you're buying into Mm-mm. because you're just kind of on autopilot and going and yeah. not realizing the patterns and connecting the dots and understanding where you're getting into your own way and allowing these fears to really hold you back. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm excited to hear your story and how you got to that place. So <laughs> before we jump in, uh, I want to hear you have two kiddos and you're homeschooling. Yes, <laughs> we kind of all are right now, right? Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's funny because it's funny because when I first had them, I was, oh, you know, I really was into the idea of homeschooling. And then I kind of lost my sanity for a little while because it was like back-to-back pregnancies. And I was like, okay, never mind. I want them to go to school. And just when I thought in the September that I was going to have them both in school and have my days freed up to just really, really dive into everything, I'm looking at homeschooling very seriously once again. And this may, you know, have been whether for the positive or the negative, the the boost that I needed or the catalyst that is going to house into full-time homeschooling after all. <laughs> yep. Sometimes that just happens, right? I I yeah. actually I think there's a lot of people who are out there who are gonna jump into homeschooling this next year because of all this. So yes. We're all thrust into teacher mode. <laughs> right. Okay. So now I really want to kind of jump into your story. And you're going to be talking about a big transformation sort of that happened in your life through some hard experience. So I want you to talk a little bit about what your life was like, even before that experience. So before that transformation, um, you know, my childhood was amazing. I was an only child in my family for 10 years. And then my three sisters came along. Um, And I was also the only grandchild in my family for about five years. So Mm -hmm. I really had a ton of love and adoration and nothing but positive affirmation. And everywhere I turned, everyone's attention was just zeroed in on me. And so I'm not the I'm not the person that is supposed to, according to what we always hear, find their way into toxic and abusive relationships. But, you know, eventually I, I did. Um, I, I wasn't someone who really knew who they were and what they wanted. So I had just that kind of general idea that, okay, I want to be successful. I don't want to have to rely on anybody. I never knew or, you know, much less, much less had a defined path as to how I was going to go about creating that for myself. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it would feel like. From when, from within my family, all I knew of that was that I wanted to be the one that had their own money and didn't have to ask somebody else if, you know, if it was okay to make a purchase or if it was okay to do something. Um, I was a bit lazy at that time too, in, in terms of thinking other people were responsible for my happiness. It was other people that were going to make me happy. Are my friends making me happy? Is my significant other making me happy? I never really understood the degree of accountability that we have have for our own happiness. And once again, I didn't even really know what made me happy. So I had, you know, I was a good person. So I just kind of expected good things to happen to me. I was just kind of drifting with no rhyme or reason. I was in school, um, going for my liberal arts degree. And I feel like I was just kind of following these very vague steps that were laid out for me. And once again, just expecting fate to take over from there, you know, fate and luck. Yeah. How old were you at that time? At that time, I was between, I would say, from about 16 to maybe 25. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah, I right. had this very I had a lot of things kind of romanticized in my head. I thought that I was gonna one day turn a corner and there would be, you know, like these angels blowing their horns and 
and this, uh, you know, engraved in a stone, Lisa, <laughs> this is what you are meant to do with your life. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was just going to hit me. I didn't realize that you actually have to go through things, try things, fall on your face, get back up and then try other things and discover for yourself what your skill set is, what comes naturally to you, what feels like a grind to you and really go through that to learn about yourself. Right. And maybe your really good childhood made it seem like it was just easy to find things, you know, like they would just happen to you. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So here you are and you're just like, all good things are going to happen to me and I'm going to find my way through life. And, and I just, I'm assuming positive stuff is coming to me. And so then what? Yeah. You can kind of say I was abusing the law of attraction in the sense that I just thought (laughs) if you think happy thoughts, like Peter Pan, if you think happy thoughts, you'll just start, you know, flying around and just wonderful things will happen. It's a lot more than that, than just thinking positive thoughts to attract positive into your life. So, um, so from there, so I I became involved with my high school boyfriend from about 16 to 28. And we were both in a lower level of self-awareness. I came to find out many years later that he was being raised by someone who he was being raised by an aunt. And she was actually herself uh, a narcissist and emotionally abusing him. And I think that at that young age, he for a long time didn't even realize what he was doing to me. But then after a time, I believe he did know what he was doing to me and didn't change. So I learned from a very young age that when you don't have um, a higher degree of self-awareness, you base who you are on the perceptions of other people. And if you have someone who is purposefully feeding you a false narrative of who you are for the intents and purposes of trying to control you or manipulate you, it just sets the stage for absolute disaster. Yeah, that's so true. So tell us a little bit about your experience that was just really hard. Like, where did you find yourself in those years? So in those years, I actually had moved out and into uh, a living situation with my high school boyfriend, just a few blocks away from where my parents live. And I was back and forth. I was living there and then I'd sometimes go back home and we were fighting. I, I was on and off with him for about 11 years, more on than off, but not healthy at all. I wound up going from the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. Um, once I, I had managed to grow to a certain degree in that relationship and started taking on other challenges and new things and basically adding to my positive self-talk and, and building my self-esteem. However, I hadn't fully healed. I hadn't recognized my patterns. So where I broke off with him finally, I picked up with someone else who I had been friends kind of from a distance with for many years. And we were just both at a point in our lives where we were both, um, you know, available. And we said, you know, why don't we try this? And so we moved in together a little quickly and it, he had issues that he was very good at hiding. He wound up being someone who was a highly functioning heroin addict. And I was completely naive to pretty much any drugs, let alone something as heavy as that. So when I moved in with him, I was head over heels for him. I thought the world of him. And quickly I came to realize that there was this other side to him. And I wanted to help him through it. I had become so comfortable with trusting other people and not using that divine intuition that we all have, mm-hmm. but sometimes we just fail to tap into. Yeah. And, and I was so comfortable with betting on other people and having expectations of them and trying to bolster them up and make them see in themselves what I saw in them. I wasn't used to doing that for myself yet at that point. Yeah. And So that wound up leading to a major situation that was the dramatic catalyst for my, for the years that followed that incident of self-healing and growth. 
So he was a heroin addict, but you didn't know. How did that happen? I had no idea. I, like I said, I was friends with him for many years from a distance. And he worked in accounting. He worked for, you know, he was in one of the trade centers when 9-11 happened. He was uh, working, doing accounting for a firm there. And I always looked at him. I knew that he had had a troubled childhood, but I saw so much strength in him because where he was someone that would have had the odds act against him, he seemed like he came out stronger for it. But of course, when you have someone that you're friends with from a distance, it's so much easier for them, especially if they are already used to being able to manipulate situations and people for them to hide the, you know, the not so great parts of themselves. Yeah. So when did you discover this? He wound up wanting to come clean to me and he said that he had had trouble in the past with it. He swore that that was behind him. You know, he was working, we were living together. He was productive. He was active, looked healthy, looked very healthy, you know, very articulate when he spoke. And so I believed him at his word. Again, I was willing to put that faith and that trust into other people more than myself. Mm-hmm. So you didn't listen to your gut. I didn't listen to my gut at that point. Honestly, Wendy, my gut could have kicked and screamed and <laughs> I probably would have just pushed back and pushed it down because I really wanted this to work. Yeah. Sometimes we're so committed to having whatever vision it is in our head at that moment work out that even when we have all of these signals around us and signs telling us, no, this is not for you, we ignore it. It reminds me of something I saw on social media where the the saying was something to the effect of, you you scrape your hands, you cause more cuts and bruising to yourself trying to desperately hold on to something rather than just letting it go. And that was a, a perfect example of that type of situation. Yep. That's so true. That happens to so many people. And people around you even can be saying, this is a bad idea. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, it's fine. Right. Could, yeah. Right. And it could be people that you know care about you. Absolutely. And, and something, our brain can be our best friend or our, or our worst enemy. There'll be something in here that that when these people that you know care about you are saying these things, oh, they just don't understand the person. Oh, they, they're you know, they're miserable in their own lives or they're lacking something in their lives and they don't want to see you have your happiness. We'll rationalize the irrational a million times before we just get real with what is staring us right in the face. Yeah. And it's scary. It's very scary. scary. That's a scary place to be for sure. Okay. So tell us about the big event that happened. So one night I came home from work and, you know, he he was just asking me a million questions. I didn't realize that he was back on heroin. Um, So I think I made a pit stop at the grocery store on the way home and came home maybe about 20 minutes or half an hour later than usual. So he was convinced that I was cheating on him. And he decided that the best way to get it out of me was to have me staring at the business end of a large knife while he asked me questions and threatened me and held the knife up to me and held the knife up to my my beloved cat who I would have done anything for you know it was it was almost like it was an hour of I mean how do you describe it other than a Russian roulette type of insane situation, but with a knife. And I will tell you this time did something so weird. It went by ridiculously fast and it also was slow and dragging at the same time. If you can imagine that. Yes. 
I had to scramble to try and figure out what truth, so to speak, this person that was in an absolute craze and a heroin jealousy rage, what truth was going to appeal to his insanity? Was it going to be the truth that I was at a grocery store and not cheating on him? Stick to that. Or do I tell him, oh, okay, I, I'm cheating on you. Sometimes, oh, come on, just, just admit it. Just admit it. And holding a knife to you, you, I mean, yeah, you had to make a you decision. You don't know which way to go, right? So I did manage to survive to survive that. Thank God, obviously. And very surprisingly, the next thing, I didn't go anywhere. You didn't. He said to me, "I." He said to me because he got up to go to work, and he said to me, "I know you're probably not going to be here by the time I get back. I don't blame you." And I was barely got back, and. My rationale for that was, if I go back home, is this, am I going to now be jeopardizing my family and putting them in risk, at risk of dealing with this person and his unpredictable, you know, outrage? He wound up, and I write this in my book, him in a chemical-induced state of crazy had more self-awareness and took more responsibility than in the aftermath of that than I did. The way that I was able to part with him was because he decided that I deserved better and that he deserved better. And he put himself into rehab. And that created a distance that allowed me to be comfortable with saying, okay, you know, can I come and land back at home and get my stuff together? Um, You know, because I I knew that, that I was doing it without jeopardizing my family's safety. Yeah. So, when did you come to that realization that, holy cow, this drug addict just had more self-awareness than I did in that moment or in that place in my life? About two, about two years ago when I was still writing my book. Oh. And well, even yeah. in the book, I say it as I'm writing, I say my thought as I'm writing it, you'll see in my book, it says that right there is a toughie to admit, <laughs> but yeah. I, I I will always give credit where credit is due. He took responsibility. He made a decision that was, you know, I'm sure not easy for him to make at the time. Um, and it was a decision that was responsible and and really it was it was the the reason that I'm able to be where I am. He he did something that so positively affected both him, hopefully, and definitely myself. I can't deny him that. Yeah. So he did this and you go to your parents or whatever. You go live with your family. What happened then? After that dramatic event, the one thing that I needed most finally happened. And that was just calm, peace, stillness. When I finally had those things, I was able to, on a very shallow level still, start kind of reflecting and, and scratch the surface of self-awareness. Once I finally went there that I decided to enroll in ultrasound school, I had been a beautician before that. And Mm -hmm. I loved it. I was always drawn to things that were kind of artsy and creative. However, I think that was right after the financial collapse, that whole recession that happened in what was it 2008 around that time Mm -hmm. and so the salon just went well the salons in general just went downhill sure so it became apparent that once again I'm back in a situation where I'm not even going to be able to support myself and now I'm pushing the door of 30 at that time and I said I've got to get this right this time so I enrolled in ultrasound school because which is so different but it actually was something that I found interesting and I was always that person that in high school instead of taking the physics and the hard classes, if I had the option of taking a different class, I would take the easier class. But this time I was willing to take on the harder things. I saw that there was gonna be physics involved in that, ultrasound physics. I saw that there was gonna be a lot of things that I normally would have avoided. And in fact, my high school ex, the first relationship that I was in, I was still on somewhat of a friendly, you know, relationship with him at that time. And he said to me, you're not that girl. 
you're not that girl that that takes science classes and goes into that type of of career. You're the girl that goes to the makeup counter and plays for hours with lipstick and eyeshadow and this, that, and the other. So again, I knew that I had grown in my self-awareness because it was that comment that finally made me say, okay, you're, you don't know me at all. Why am I even entertaining you? And I went ahead and I enrolled in the ultrasound school. And that is when I finally I, I really knew at that point that my life was never going to be the same because I was in the name of self-care almost doing hard things, realizing, oh, this is how you earn your self-respect. This is how you show yourself what you are made of. Mm. You don't do it. You don't get there by taking the shortcuts. Mm-mm. You get there by taking the hard things, the things that challenge you head on. And even if you fall on your face doing them, you get back up and you try again. That's where you build your self-awareness and earn yourself back. Yeah. That is so true. Doing the hard things and watching yourself do the hard things, right? Like that's where yeah. you find out who you really are and what you really are able to do and braveness that you really have. I think that's so true. I want to hear. So many times when people leave somebody and they go get help. So you had a person who was an addict and you cared about him enough to move in with him anyway. And you have this big blow up and he says, oh my gosh, I need help. And many times people We'll say, okay, I'll wait for you, my dear, you know, and we'll stay and and go back to them once they're better. They're all better now. And so I'm going to go back to them. And why didn't you do that? Or did you do that? I don't even know. I didn't do that. I had been in contact with him while he was in recovery. And I had gone to visit him a couple of times um, to show him my support. So I had, we had started out as friends for many years. So it, it didn't feel that uncomfortable or weird to just go back to being friends. I learned in that instance that it's totally okay to support someone from a distance. You have to decide what, you have to be self-aware enough to know how close you can kind of get to certain situations without allowing them to really affect you. So I was able to lend him my support as a friend to a degree. And then eventually, I think he did start dating someone else. And we just, you know, just went our separate ways. And that was okay with you at that point? It was. It was totally okay with me. I, when I was in that ultrasound school, the friends that I made, the amount of personal growth that I was going through. Yeah. Within maybe a six month period of that incident, it was like I had become or was becoming a completely different person. So there's just no way that anything or anyone from my past would have would have fit or would have made sense in the life that I was creating for myself at that point. Yeah. And you were trying to create a different life. And you didn't want to be held back to the life that you had been, you started when you were 16, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I started this idea that I was going to maybe create a better relationship than the one that I had been witnessing going on between my parents. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that was quite a priority for me, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of what I I held on to, I'm going to do this better than the adults are doing. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I kind of latched onto and made my mission at that moment. Yeah. But I, I found such satisfaction and such joy and fulfillment in the endeavor that I was on, which was, you know, um, back in school, meeting people who were also like-minded and trying to better themselves and taking on a new challenge. Yeah. And And it was, it was life-changing. That was a life-changing experience for me. How did that impact? I mean, it has to have impacted your relationships. 
So other relationships like your family and friends. Right. Well, I actually started getting along much better with my family when I was in the ultrasound school. As I started growing, I matured a lot. And in terms of the things that I had at certain points blamed my family for, I was able to pull away from that. And I think that once I found out that I was able and that it was my responsibility from the get-go to make myself happy and learned how to do that, I was able to take the pressure off of my family. Mm-hmm. I was able to allow them their imperfections. I was like, I was able to allow them the room that they needed in their relationship to do whatever they were going to do. That was up to them. I didn't take it so personally and let it affect me. Yeah. And that just allowed me to be so much closer, particularly to my father, who I had had a strained go of it with throughout my teens. Um, and yeah, it just, it helped me mature and, and be able to relate to them. I felt like at that point I was finally able to be the older sister and I'm older by a lot, 10 years, 10 years, 15 years, and 17 years to my three youngest sisters. So I felt like I was able to finally talk to them from a place where, you know, they can, and they should kind of listen to what I have to say, because now what I have to offer is, is of legitimate value. Yeah. When you were back in those times when you're in the middle of abusive relationships and you were kind of in really unhealthy relationships, how did you feel about your example? It was awful. I mean, you look at it now, it's awful, but did you think it was awful at the moment? I didn't. And I'll tell you why. And this goes to the whole, uh, you know, they don't get the saying from from nowhere, birds of a feather stick together. Right. At that time, what I was going through was completely normal. And the other women that I was um, keeping company with, including some women, you know, it, in my family, they were going through the same situations. And so you'd find yourself complaining about these things that other people that you were close with were complaining about. So you just kind of resign to the idea like, oh, this is just, yeah, this is how relationships go, you know? Um, And the most disappointing thing about that was that once I broke free and once I started going to school and bettering myself a lot, I would say most, if not all of those relationships crumbled. My success was not a welcome thing for them. They wanted to be around people who reflected them. Sure. That they that they were able to look at and see themselves. They would they would rather have had that than to have a mirror that reflected back what the possibilities were and oh. are if they were able to reach that point in their lives where they finally said, No more. I deserve better than this and I'm gonna do better than this. Yeah, that is a really common thing. When people start seeing somebody else get better, it shows the difference then between healthy and unhealthy, right? And this is so common. And it's absolutely that makes it really hard to change when you have a community of people or a tribe of people, you know, around you that are that are in the same hard space as you are. That's a really absolutely. good point. Such absolutely. A- and you know what's what's crazy is that so many times we assume that the person that's in the abusive relationship, that it's the abuser that they're with, that they're so scared to leave. But like you pointed out, it's not just that person that you're losing. You risk losing and you think, oh, you know, who else am I going to lose as a result of this? You Absolutely, know? yeah. And so, they, so that group, that tribe, so to speak, wind up really just contributing to that fixed mindset of yours. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize that you, you don't just break up with the abuser. You have to also break up with that tribe that are still stuck in that mindset. Yeah, that's, those are some good words. (laughs) It was very hard to do that. It's it's a hard truth. Did you find another tribe? I did. I found my fewer but closer and 
when I when you talk about an upgrade, the upgrade in quality of the friendships that I have now, I made really good friends with a couple of the girls from my ultrasound school. We we get each other, we respect each other, we're achievers, we're doers. And and once again, birds of a feather stick together. Once you level up in different aspects of your life, whether it's the friendships, whether it's you know, whatever career path or goal that you're that you're taking on, mm-hmm. it becomes really hard to go backwards once you hit that next level. Mm-hmm. And so my new tribe is just fewer but stronger and mm-hmm. fuel me and my growth mindset mm-hmm. in such an amazing way. And I'm and I'm thankfully able to do the same thing for them. So it's just such a, a more positive and productive exchange that I have with them. I love that. Was there somebody or something your ultrasound school sounds like it was, but was there a person or another event that was instrumental in moving you forward? There really wasn't. And it's funny because I often talk about how certain terms I'm big into Mm self-talk and I, I, I talk about how certain ideas get such a bad rap uh, unnecessarily. So it may come off a bit selfish to say, but no, I helped myself. I, I was able to make the connections. I was able to put the pieces together by looking at some really hard truths, like, and admitting them to myself, like the one about, you know, my heroin addict ex being the more responsible one out of the two of us and making the more responsible decision. I really forced myself to do whatever it took to grow. Mm -hmm. And nobody pushed me to do that. Nobody held my hand through that. No one inspired me to do that. What what inspired me to do that was slowly but surely learning that I am somebody and that I'm not here by accident Mm -hmm. and that I deserve to be able to look in the mirror every day and feel proud of myself and that I deserve to place the bets that I was always so busy placing on other people yeah. on myself. I love that. That <laughs> That is some wisdom. Putting the bets that you'd place on other people, betting on yourself instead. I think that's so hard to do and really, really wise. As you're talking, I was thinking about Brene Brown, one of my faves, um, uh-huh. my favorite people. She talks about the difference between shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And when you were saying that your ex, the high school ex person was saying, you're not that girl. You're not the girl that does that, the hard things. You're the girl that goes to the makeup counter and blah, blah, blah. Right. right. And, and you just said, no, I am that girl. Like I am yeah. the girl that does hard things. That is who I am. And yeah. so then, then you were able to change your behavior to match who you were. Exactly. And I, and mind you, I told him that I was that girl before I even signed up. I was just looking into and weighing the options. You know, should I give the salon thing a little longer or should I go ahead and, and um, enroll in this ultrasound school? So I hadn't even necessarily proven it to myself yet, but, but you knew I, it. I knew it. And I just got so pissed off in that moment that here he was yet again, or just anyone else trying to define who I was. I was at that point where I said, I'm defining who I am. You're not defining who I am. I am not going to allow myself to react in my life based on how you or anyone else sees me. I love that. And you then start behaving in a way you start behaving out of who you are. Right. And so when people have the shame, right, they're like, I am bad. I am uh, weak. I am somebody who takes the easy route. And so that's how you behave, right, is out of who you are. But when you are behaving like, oh, I am somebody who does hard things and I am somebody who's worth it. And I am somebody who's worthy and worthy of love and belonging, right? All of that. Then when you're not behaving that way, then you can go, Hey, I can just change the way I'm behaving and I, I will be congruent with who I am. And I love 
how you did that. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you. That's, that's what aligning when people talk about aligning. And I know some people sound feel like that whole, like think about law of attraction and aligning with your purpose. It, to some people, it sounds really woo, woo, but there's so much truth to it. There There's is science really behind so it. much truth. <laughs> yeah. it is. So there's, even yeah. with the science behind it, some people find it very woo-woo. <laughs> so yes, you you align with yourself and and you know you say it, and that's why self-talk is so important. It contributes to that narrative that you create of yourself. And your self-talk helps you to fight back yeah. the outside forces and the outside noise that are trying to tell you, no, you're not that person. You're less than you have to be. I I describe it as borderline delusional (laughs) about what you're meant for and your success and your purpose. And I say that because there are so many times that we're told, I think, especially as women that we're not supposed to be, who are you to be gutsy? Who are you to be bold? Who are you to be selfish? Who are you to be you know, focused and centered on yourself and who are you to believe in yourself? I feel like as a woman, you have to have damn near delusional absolutely <laughs> belief in yourself because there are just too many forces out there that will try and make you second guess yourself. Yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> we have to believe in ourselves and ladies, we have to believe in each other. We, I'm so glad you said that. We mm-hmm. need that. Um, yeah. Okay. I would love to hear some lessons that you learned through this experience of going through these years like that, that you right. could not have learned any other way. Oof. <laughs> so many, but I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Um, so the first lesson that I wouldn't have been able to learn anywhere else or going through anything else would be that we often put our eggs kind of in the basket of these invisible forces like luck and fate. But it's important for us to know that we are responsible for how we get through that big transformation and that big change. Our most important keys in successfully going through a life change are our Mm self-awareness and our mindset. And if you're going through a life change, as I did, not already in a heightened sense of self-awareness, I'm a big proponent of reflective journaling. Mm -hmm. Because as you go through that, that life change, you need to be journaling and taking note of the growth that you're going through. The stumbles, the scrapes, the small wins that sometimes happen so quickly that they don't even really register with us. Mm -hmm. So you will grow in self-awareness, but your self-awareness and your mindset are absolutely in your control. And when you're going through a big change, it is important that you feel and acknowledge a degree of control in the situation. So don't chalk things up to luck and to fate. Your self-awareness and your mindset are going to drive the narrative and how you navigate through your life change. And that allows you to take back your power and your control. Yes. I want you to talk a little bit about just the nitty gritty of journaling, of reflective journaling. Just talk about like, Okay, so somebody says, okay, I want to do reflective journaling. And they sit down and they're like, okay, here I go. And they don't know what to do. So (laughs) now what do I do? And I have a, you know, a a journal and it doesn't have anything in it because where do I start? What is a way to start? Exactly. You you certainly don't want to sit there and just be staring at a blank piece of paper. So I even go through, this is in the part two of my book, the prescription portion of the book. One of the things I talk about is reflective journaling. So There are a couple of ways you can go about it. I personally like to keep a journal for when I do my digging through like the distant past, which would be anything from five years ago or further back. Mm -hmm. And then I keep a journal for things that happened, you know, during the week, a few hours ago, early in the morning. And I'll, I'll add to that journal uh, or I'll sit down and start the process of journaling those things once a week. I'll Mm -hmm. add to that journal. You can break down, particularly the journaling for, you know, five years ago and beyond. You can go by age. So you could set up a certain like three or four age ranges that you want to just 
consistently look at and just what I what I refer to as allow for organized chaos. Mm -hmm. So I describe it as pulling the lever back on a pinball machine Mm -hmm. and just sitting back and watching the ball ping and pong and the different things light up, the different memories light up and just take note of where certain things kind of, you know, the dots connect with certain things. So you could do it by age. If you're someone, you uh, you know, that moved around a lot, you could do it by location. Maybe you lived in one state for a certain amount of years, another state for another amount of years. You can do it by um, grade, you know, whatever grade you were in school. Sure. You could, you can d- divide it into whatever allows you to sit down and have somewhat of an organized process. But again, you want to have that chaos to a degree that you embrace where you really just allow the floodgates mm-hmm. of your memory to open. Yeah. And when when you do that, this is how you'll get to the root of a lot of the false truths and the self-limiting beliefs that you may not even realize that you're buying into. You have to go into the past. It rubs me so wrong when I hear the gurus basically saying, you know, light a match to your past and burn that bridge. You don't need it. It's almost like telling someone, okay, wake up, take decades worth of of information, valuable information, and just throw it out your window. You don't need it anymore moving forward. Yeah. I, I don't get that. It's not pleasant to look into your past, but it is absolutely delusional to think that we can move forward and not have those things from our past constantly come up and trip us up out of nowhere. Just when we think we've hit our stride, we're tripping over the same things. Well, I find that, you know, those same gurus are often wanting people to focus on the positive parts of their past and see how that informed and that they are, that, that we are intelligent and we are wise and that we are all of these really positive things that come from experiences of our past. Right. But we also have these other things that have come from the experiences of our past that are are also informing us and we have to address them as well. And so, I, you know, I'm just like preach because that's really true. I think that when people want to move forward into a better place, into a more authentic place, into a, a growth season of their life, they have to address things that happened to them in the past. So that's beautiful. Thanks. Sure. I also want to say that on my website, I have a free list of, and people can, anybody can go there and get it. It's just a list of 20 journal prompts that are really helpful for life transition and transformation. And, uh, and a lot of those go back to, you know, they're, they're prompts that'll help you go figure out what's, you know, what's happened in the past that's coming up in the present. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's excellent. Okay. I also have one more question. One of my questions is, if you could go back, say you go back to yourself at graduation of high school. Mm -hmm. So you are right now who you are. Mm -hmm. You could go back to that, to yourself graduating from high school. What would you say to yourself? I would say it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually didn't even attend my high school graduation. That's how non-celebratory I was and felt about my life Mm. and my experiences. But if I could go back to that time, I would say, and I'm going to, (laughs) I'm going to censor myself. I would say F up the right way. (laughs) Make your mistakes now. Try it. Fall on your face. Get up do it again or try something else. But this is the time to get those cuts and scrapes and say, oh, I can't believe I wasted a year, you know, trying that and didn't stick with it because Mm -hmm. it's all serving the purpose of building your self-awareness, building your self-esteem and just adding such valuable information. That time is going to come and go so quickly anyway do something with it that is going to impact your life positively. And yes, failure impacts your life positively, especially when you do it when you're young and the stakes are not that big. (laughs) I like that. So tell me the three top things that people going through a big life transformation need to know. Well, the first thing would be that 
you don't owe anyone that's watching your journey from the outside any explanations you know, about how you're navigating your life change. It's your journey to go through. Mm-hmm. People will always have their perception of a situation, just like people had their perception of me. And you can either believe it and allow it to affect you, or you can go forth and do what you need to do for yourself. So often I feel like we try to offer other people a pill that's easier for them to swallow about mm-hmm. our situation, which is crazy. <laughs> but right. I think that's the nature, I think, of women. Sure. We try to make other people feel comfortable and we put others and their needs before ours. So we try to offer them a pill that makes it easier, you know, to swallow our journey. And we wind up making the situation we're going through more stressful on ourselves. Mm. In trying to make something more palatable for others, we really risk denying ourselves the clarity to be able to make the best situations for ourselves as we're going through it. Mm-hmm. So that's the the first uh, thing. The second I would say is that a lot of times you'll get like popular advice and everyone is usually saying, reach out, look for support, you know, reach out to your friends. I personally found that, that in my personal journey, solitude really allowed me to drown out the noise of other people so that I can have a view of my situation and my self-awareness that was unmuddied. It, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was crystal clear. So if you find that you're someone, and this is where self, a degree at least of self-awareness comes in. If you feel that you're someone that does need and would benefit from the support of others, of course, seek it. But don't completely turn yourself off or allow someone to tell you it's unhealthy to be in solitude because sometimes we need a degree of solitude for a certain period of time Mm -hmm. to be able to collect our thoughts and map out our path and feel a degree of control over the situation. And then maybe at that point, you could feel more comfortable allowing people in, Uh but not before you've already had a chance to sit back and and clearly look at your situation. That seems very intentional, like because it's an intentional Absolutely. solitude. And I love that. Yeah, I love that you said intentional mindfulness, moving it with intention. It's so important and mm. it makes all the difference in the world. It, it allows you to be present. And that is that's the difference between being reactive where you're kind of like a cat with its back against the wall yeah. and being proactive where you're out there at the right time, making those hard decisions, uh-huh. trusting that you'll make the right decision. And at that point, you have so many options available to you mm-hmm. because you're being proactive. You're not just settling for the scraps of whatever's left over, you know? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Before I get into my last three questions, I'm going to ask you, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your business, how we can get in touch with you, how everybody can connect with you, your book, all that stuff. (laughs) Thank you so much, Wendy. Uh, So my book is out right now. I self-published on Amazon and the title of the book, this is the cleaned up version of it, is Who the F Are You? Get Self-Aware So You Can Stop Getting Your Ass Kicked and Live a Kick-Ass Life. Um, that's available on Amazon right now. You could, if you have the Kindle Unlimited, you could read it for free on Amazon. The back of that book has a resource section with clickable links. So you'll find my website, which is lisalatimer.com. Within that website, you know, we talk about, and there are blog posts about kind of bite-sized personal growth tips for, you know, busy people who want to grow in their in their, that want their personal growth and their professional growth and kind of where the two intersect. So it's small enough bites where if you implement these things little by little, you're able to kind of bridge the gap between where you are and where you'd like to be. So you can find that on my website and you'll have links on my website to the courses that I offer. One of them is called The Art of Positive Self-Talk. And the other one is a mini course called Self-Aware Goal Setting. Oftentimes we and I say this so often, I've worked with people who on the outside seem like they have it all. They have an enviable life. They've achieved such a high degree of success. They're some of the most unhappy people 
the people that are the most outwardly successful, because even though they've achieved a certain degree of success, it's not the success that really uh, that they align with and that makes them feel fulfilled. So mm-hmm. sometimes even the most successful people have to pause and go back to the drawing board yeah. and kind of reevaluate their goals. You can also find me on my on my Facebook page, which is at Personal Growth Lifestyle. And I just now am putting together a private Facebook group under that business page called Empowerment, Freedom, and Purpose for Entrepreneurs and Solopreneurs. And this is going to be a group for people kind of like myself and many of us out there who have achieved a degree of success in life and in business. But we come from a past where maybe we had a toxic corporate environment, toxic friendships, toxic family, toxic significant others from the past. And we're still kind of dealing with that residual negative self-talk, the the false truths and the limiting beliefs that are making it difficult for us to really level up and take our fulfillment in life and business to the next level. So if you're interested in that, you can access that group through my Facebook business page, which again is at Personal Growth Lifestyle. And, you know, just send a request to join and I'll, I'll, you know, I'd be happy to have you in the book, in the group rather. (laughs) I'm going to have to join that group. That sounds like my group. I would love to have you. (laughs) That sounds like the group I need to be in. (laughs) (laughs) So many of us, you'd, oh my gosh, you'd be surprised how many of us are, I know, know, I know, still dealing with those little, you know, things that trip us up every now and again and keep us playing a little, not necessarily small, but that just kind of weigh on our shoulders and, and, and don't allow us to be as light and free in our businesses and in our lives. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Thank you. And now I have my three questions. I ask everybody. The first question is we might know it already, but maybe we don't a pivotal event that changed you. A pivotal event that changed me would definitely be, you know, just my experience with the ultrasound school and how that really brought my my serious side, my intellectual side to my attention. It brought so much of my my talent and my abilities to my own attention, my my work ethic. You know, I didn't think I was a, a someone who could be with their nose in the books and study and, and achieve things. Even before that, I'll be honest with you, even finishing beauty school, which was years before that, that was the first time that I followed through with something. Mm-hmm. My dad used to say, oh, gosh. You know, you you never finish what you start. So technically, the beauty school certificate was a very pivotal event as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's weird because I was with my ex at that time that was the heroin addict. And the rules with that beauty school were that if you were absent for 14 consecutive days, you were done. They kicked you out. Didn't matter if you had a loan, which I did take a loan out. I was on my 13th absence because of just the the emotional turmoil that he was putting me through, I was at that 13-day mark. Wendy, I don't know what kicked in in me. I showed up that 14th day. I went to the office. I let them hold me accountable. I finished. I stayed longer to make up my hours. And, you know, and I had people say, oh, well, you just went to beauty school. That's not that big of a deal. No, you but finished all, it. Exactly. And in, in all of these, that's why I say reflective journaling, because sometimes these experiences that we allow other people to tell us really are insignificant, sometimes were monumental. Huge. I would have on any other day and any other point in my life been like, oh, I'll just take the 14th. I'll, I'll add beauty school dropout to my impressive list of <laughs> things that I've chucked in the effort bucket. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But no, I, I showed up, I, you know, went through being lectured and I put my big girl pants on and I finished it up. Nice. That's a great pivotal event. Okay. <laughs> a person who changed you. Uh, again, I hate to give off the perception that I am, you know, just so self-centered, but no, I, I changed me. I, I allowed the negative events that I allowed to happen to myself to change me and kind of propel me in the complete opposite direction, just out of the frustration and the disgust of what I had allowed myself to be subjected to. So So I really. mm -hmm. So you found yourself and you changed yourself. Yeah. There was no one riding in on any white horse 
in any shining armor, <laughs> but, you like know, that. with any sword mm, to slay course. any of my dragons and demons. It was, it was me. And, and oftentimes we kind of romanticize this group of cheerleaders, whether it's friend and friends or family that we're going to have behind us when we're going through these things. And if you do, that's beautiful, but you know, be prepared to be that knight in shining armor for yourself. Mm. Because if you put that off because you're waiting for other people to align with your purpose and your life, it will never happen. It might take a long time. That's for sure. That is awesome wisdom right there. Thank you. Okay. Last question, a book that changed you. I'm an author who doesn't really read much. Possibly because I don't really have a lot of time to read, but um, I do hope to change that. So in the um, in the spirit of shameless self-promotion, I'll say my book. And, and all jokes aside, as I wrote my book and recalled all of these things, and even now as I sit here and speak to you and, and speak of all of these events again, it, it still catapults me into another little stratosphere of self-awareness. And so I'll say writing my book really brought out a lot of, of these things that I hadn't really put under a microscope and looked at until that point. And so in writing it, I had a million aha moments myself just in writing it. So true. Authors have that experience. When I wrote my book, uh, my book is just, a, it's a, not a self-help book or anything. It's a book on um, essential oils and how to use them for mental health and emotional wellness. And right. I actually, when I, I wrote the book and then I read the book last month again, because I was doing some editing for it. And I was like, wow, that's pretty good. You see? Wow. I didn't. Oh, wow. I said that. That's kind of cool. That's really good insight right there. Exactly. <laughs> that's and, it came from, and it came, came from, from me. me. I wrote that. Did I, I hope I did. And I was like, I hope I didn't like just steal that. <laughs> I felt like that too when I, when I've read my no, dissertation. give yourself the credit. You didn't steal No, that I didn't. I did, you. I did not. And I felt like that when I was doing my dissertation too, that I would like read back and I was like, after I read it, after, you know, it was already published, I was like, I hope I didn't like steal those words. It's <laughs> funny. Okay. Funny. Well, thank you so much for your vulnerability and for your willingness to share that story with us. And I know, I know it is going to be valuable to people who listen to it today. So... Well, I appreciate you allowing me to share that story. And that is why I do it. It's, you know, I'm very, I'm very comfortable with myself. And so I'm very comfortable. I want to be someone that lends their voice and lends their, you know, their kind of attitude of feeling empowered to other people who aren't quite there yet, because they will get there. They will. They will. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks again. And it was so good to get to talk and to chat with you and hear your story. And I look forward to being connected with you some more. Yes, me too. Thank you so much. I am so thankful for Lisa's willingness to vulnerably share her experience. One of the things that stuck with me was her comment about listening to her gut. She said, even if my gut would have been screaming at me, I don't think I would have listened. She wanted so badly for everything to be all right, even when it was clearly wrong. I know I've been there. How about you? This is such a huge part of self-awareness. Being able to know the voice inside of us that is our warning voice. Many of us have silenced that voice because we don't want to listen, because we wish it wasn't true, because we don't trust ourselves. There's so many reasons. I believe that everyone has this voice inside of them that tells us when there is something not quite right, even when it might look perfect from the outside. What does your voice sound like? It might just be a feeling in your gut. It might be an unsettledness. It might be thoughts that you can't stop. Here's my advice. The free gift for today, and there's no charge. Listen to that voice. Listen to it. And do what it says. Trust that voice. Trust 
your gut. 99 times out of 100, it's right. If you have not listened to that voice, you know what it sounds like. That's when we learn what it sounds like is when we don't listen. Often we remember those warnings that we didn't listen to more than we remember the ones that we did. Our brains are wired to have this intuition, and women's brains are even better at it than men sometimes because of the way our brains were created. Women's brains have a thicker connection between the two sides of the brain, which makes us more able to know there is danger even when the obvious things around us look okay. Listen to your intuition, your gut. Trust it. The ability to trust your gut comes with a lot of self-awareness. I want to challenge you all to work on self-awareness, just like Lisa challenged us. We all need more of this. And like Lisa said, one of the great ways to increase your self-awareness is through journaling. If you've never been someone who journals, I'm going to challenge you to do it for the next three months, just 90 days, and see what happens. Journal about times you didn't listen to your gut, maybe. Times you didn't trust yourself. Write down what the warning signs were, what the voice in your head sounded like. It will be so much easier to listen next time, I promise. Remember, you can go to my website and get the 20 journal prompts for free. It will be a great way to start the process if you've not done it before. You are worth knowing. You have so much to learn from yourself. You are worth the time and effort it takes to gain self-awareness. Trust yourself, my friend. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes. And you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends.